Gotta get it first. Thank you. Thank you for coming today. It's, uh, it's a real privilege to... Uh, I can't use the piano, can I? Yes? Yes. The one who plays it said I could. Um, <clears throat> anyway, thank you for coming today. It's a privilege to be part of this church and this ministry, and I'm excited about uh, what God has been doing and will continue to do. Uh, but this morning, we want to take a look at, at, uh, at Acts once again. Um, and let me ask you a question. Have you ever pretended you were something you're not? Have you ever uh, fudged it just a little bit to make yourself look better than you really are? Anybody besides me? <clears throat> I remember uh, uh, recently, uh, in the past few years, uh, it was my first day on the job, and I was meeting at a damaged uh, building with an insurance adjuster. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I was told to uh, look good and not say anything. And uh, I pretty much did that. I have a hunch he saw right through me. But uh, I faked it, uh, I guess, pretty well. I don't know. I'm still working at that job. But uh, uh, we're going to look today at the sin of pretense. The sin of pretense. An outward show with no inward reality. And the need to be authentic. Uh, We're continuing our series in the book of Acts. uh, And the life-changing events of this great Bible book. Acts 5 tells an amazing story of some of the members of the early church and God's interaction with them. Uh, Turn to Acts 5 while I'm relating to you some of the events uh, that lead up to this story. It was an incredible time for the early church. Uh, Things were happening so fast and moving uh, so quickly. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers in Acts chapter 2. Jesus had already ascended to heaven. Uh, The believers met, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, as Jesus had told them. They were doing that. The Holy Spirit's poured out in Acts 2. Peter gets up and preaches, and 3,000 people get saved in one meeting. And so they form this community of believers And in Acts 2.44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods they gave to anyone as he had need. So there was this common, unified body. Peter and John stir up the crowd and they end up in jail while the church grows to 5,000. Talk about growth and growth ministries and church growth. Uh, The Holy Spirit continues to move, and the Bible uses the word shake, and fill this new church. And in Acts 4, at the end of Acts chapter 4, we have a summary of what was going on. 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands, land or houses sold them. Can you imagine? They sold their houses or their land, and they brought the money from the sale of that property and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to those who were in need. Joseph, who's also known as Barnabas, we know him better as Barnabas, Joseph Barnabas sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. So at the end of this this summary, Barnabas is singled out as selling his property and donating the money he made from that sale to the church. 
And then we come to Acts chapter 5. And the story of, of a married couple called Ananias and Sapphira. This story is intentionally placed by Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, to contrast with Barnabas. Because Ananias and Sapphira also sold property, as Barnabas did. But there is a huge difference, as we'll see. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So Ananias and Sapphira saw what was going on. They were apparently part of this early church, and they saw that these people were selling their property, selling their houses, bringing the money, laying it at the apostles' feet, and I imagine there was a certain amount of, of applause that took place. Or some sort of esteem was put on those that would bring the money and lay it down at the apostles' feet. And they go, look, Barnabas sold his house and brought the money. Whoa, way to go, Barnabas. And Ananias and Sapphira wanted some of that. They thought that was pretty cool. But, you know, they got a good price for their property. And they just couldn't give it all away. Because they were getting older. I'm making this up. They were getting older. Retirement was coming. And, uh, you know, they just knew they were going to need some of that money to live on. So they held back part of the sale price, which, by the way, was fine. There was nothing wrong with them doing that. The problem was they told everybody it was the full price. They intentionally deceived the body of believers. Verse 3, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You see, he could do with it what he wanted. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Again, Ananias and Sapphira had complete control over the property that they owned, the sale of the property, the proceeds from the property, but they were motivated by the desire to appear more generous than they really were. And so they obviously, from, from, from what we read here, they obviously gave the very strong impression that this was the entire price of the property that they were selling. And Peter through the Holy Spirit empowering him, saw right through it. They had an outward show with no inward reality, which really is the definition of pretense. An outward show without the inward reality. So what happens? Let's continue the story in verse 5. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Oh, that's extreme. <clears throat> and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Yeah, really. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. Which, is, by the way, is highly unusual. His family wasn't informed. There was no ceremony. They simply took his body and buried it as fast as they could. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? She said, Yes, that is the price we got for the land. Peter said to her, how, how could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband 
are at the door, and they will carry you out also. She had no idea her husband was dead. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet, and she died also. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And I love verse 11. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, this is, this is really, when you think about it, a pretty shocking story. What in the world do we have here going on? A married couple connived together to deceive God, to deceive the church. They desire to appear more generous than they are, and they are instantly struck dead by God's supernatural hand of judgment. Wow. What did they do that was so terrible? I would like to suggest that the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was not so much greed or lack of generosity, but that their sin was trying to look more spiritual than they really were. Their sin was the sin of pretense. Their sin was the sin of having an outward demonstration with, uh, of something that had no inward reality. They were faking their Christian life. Have, uh, <clears throat> don't raise your hands. <laughs> Have you ever been guilty of that? Have I ever been guilty of that? Guilty of, of acting like you're really better than you are or acting like you know more than you do so that people will think better of you? One of the values in our unique call as a church here at Cyprus is authenticity. We have five values, and authenticity is one of them. Authenticity means being real. What you see is what you get. Being honest about my life and my struggles and my victories and my failures. But we are so good at putting on a front, aren't we? It's uh, Sunday after church. Small group is coming to your house tonight to meet what do you spend the afternoon doing? Cleaning. cleaning. Cleaning your house, absolutely. That's why you either hate to have small group at your house, or it's why you love to have small group at your house, because the house actually gets cleaned once in a while. Right? I mean, we're all in the same boat. Why, why, why do we have this pretense? We all do it. We walk into your house and it's spotless. We walk into your bathroom and there's this really smelly candle burning. How often do you burn smelly candles in your bathroom? The towels are perfect. The toilet's so clean you could eat out of the thing. I mean, how often does your bathroom look like that? Only on small group night. And we're all in the same boat. Now, <clears throat> why do we do that? Because we don't want people to think we're slobs. When we really are. Now, I think you should clean your toilet, and I think you should clean your house, especially if company is coming over. Nothing wrong with that, but think about it. We are motivated by wanting people to think that we are cleaner, neater, better housekeepers than we really are. 
You know, when I, when I clean the house, we, we have a small group at our house, and, and I'm cleaning, and I'm knocking cobwebs out of the ceiling, and I'm, I'm vacuuming up popcorn kernels under the furniture, and I'm thinking, holy cow, I don't want people to think we're really this dirty. I think that. When we share our struggles, when we share our failures, when we share the fact that, that the Bible's kind of boring, uh, and I'm not finding it real interesting. It is so hard to spend time in prayer. I don't feel very close to God. He doesn't seem to care. When we share those kinds of feelings, and we all have them, we're being authentic. And that is good because somebody else hears you share and they go, oh, there's hope for me. Because I feel that way too and I thought I was the only one. I thought there was something wrong with me. We need to live our lives honestly and authentically. Ananias and Sapphira were guilty of trying to look more spiritual than they were. And God judged them. Uh, I, I see this story in Acts as, as suggesting three areas of openness and honesty in our spiritual lives that I want to look at this morning. Three areas of openness and honesty and authenticity that we need to have in our lives. The first one is that we must be honest with each other. We must be honest or authentic with each other. Ananias and Sapphira deceived the church, or they tried. They saw others selling property. They saw Barnabas sell his land. They saw the selflessness and the sacrifice and the willingness to give. The generosity was attractive and appealing, and they wanted to be part of that. They wanted to do the spiritual thing too, so they faked it. Since this was fake generosity, and it was not spirit-motivated. They just had to keep back some of that money for themselves. And in so doing, they lied to the rest of the body of believers. They deceived the congregation of people that God had gathered together to change the world. You know, we are far too concerned with what others think of us, and we are way too careful to cover up our flaws and our failures. We want to project an image of success. We want to project this image of, of having it together, this image of confidence. We don't want other people to know that we made a bad financial decision or that we struggle with addictions or we don't keep a very clean house or that our walk with Jesus is just not quite what we think it ought to be. A.W. Tozer wrote this in his book, The Pursuit of God, there is hardly a man or woman who dares to be just what he or she is without doctoring up the impression. The fear of being found out gnaws like rodents within our hearts. What if somebody finds out what I'm really like? Will they kick me off the trustee board? Will they kick me out of teaching Sunday school? Will they fire me from the staff? What if they find out? Now, that doesn't mean we should have this mass confessional on Sunday mornings where everybody gets up and shares all their deepest, darkest, dirtiest sins. I don't think that's the answer. But it does mean we each need a place. We need a small group of friends, a circle of, of those who know us and love us and accept us for who we are. Where we can be open and honest and authentic and vulnerable. 
we need to be honest with others. There needs to be that circle in your life. Here at Cypress Church, we have community life groups, our name for small groups. And that's a place where spiritual relationships should happen. And that really is is my favorite term for what happens in in a small group, a spiritual relationship. A relationship that you can have with other people that that helps you grow spiritually. It's not a social club. It's, it's not about you know, football or the World Cup or anything like that, although you talk about those things, sure. But it's a place where the relationships push you to be more Christ-like. We need to live authentically before others. And a small group is a place where you can do that. The second area of honesty that we see in this passage is that I must be honest with myself. I must be honest with myself. There's a couple things that I want you to see here uh, in this passage. <clears throat> First of all, Ananias and Sapphira connived together. Verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, is this the price? Yes, that's the price. Peter said to her in verse 9, how could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Again, I believe Peter, Peter got some spiritual... Uh, yeah. Spiritual, natural. Supernatural, spiritual insight into what was going on here. And he understood what had taken place. And he said to the wife, how, how, could, you, how could you two agree to do this? They were so intent on faking their spiritual walk, on trying to imitate genuine spiritual life, I don't think they even saw themselves for what they were. I honestly think they probably looked in the mirror and they said, this is great. This is going to be really cool because you know, we can get all the, the, you know, the accolades of being sacrificial, but we get to keep some money too. They were deceiving themselves. Nobody else. Do we manipulate and connive in our lives about how we're going to sin or how we're going to fake it? Do, do, you, do you put your offering envelope in your shirt pocket so it kind of sticks out and everybody knows that you have offering for this Sunday? And you turn it so that the amount's showing? (laughs) I hope not. You know, is your Bible one of those big family Bibles that you carry around so that everybody sees I read my Bible? Do Do you just doodle in your Bible so it looks like you're taking notes? You know, do we do those kinds of things? You're not, you're not fooling anybody except yourself. Second thing under this, under this uh, being honest with yourself, I want you to see is that Satan filled their hearts with deceit. This was a satanic attack. They were perfectly culpable for their own actions, totally responsible. But in verse 3, Ananias, or Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? See, Peter recognized that Satan filled Ananias' heart to do this, but then he goes on, what made you think of doing such a thing? I think that's interesting if you put those two phrases together. Satan filled his heart, and then he goes on, what made you think of doing such a thing? Satan put the thought in Ananias' mind to do this. Satan can put thoughts in our minds. I think he can put feelings in our emotions. He can influence and shape us, and we don't even know it. And we have got to guard 
our hearts. Second Corinthians 10.5 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have got to ruthlessly evaluate the thoughts that come into our minds. Because they could be from Satan. And that's something that we have to do, you know, I used to say a million times a day. I don't think it's a million. I think it's nonstop, continuously evaluate the barrage of thoughts that are coming into our head and evaluate. And we go, is that a thought from Christ? If it's not, then we demolish it. We take it captive. We so bad want others to think that we have it together. And Satan wants us to let others think we have it together. But I want to tell you a little secret this morning. None of us has it together. None of us. Agree? Are you with me? Anybody here have it together? Got it all figured out? Life's just peaches and cream? If you see someone who acts like they have it all together, they're lying. If you put on a charade like you do, then you are guilty of the Ananias and Sapphira sin. And given the passage, I would be careful about that. Life is messy, and we all have messes and issues and things that we deal with, every single one of us. Our marriage is not as good as it looks. Our finances aren't as secure as you might think. My spiritual life is not as lofty as I let on. I'm not as confident as my job as it appears. I thought I had parenting mastered. And the kids woke up. You know, I mean, it's just... We've got to get over this idea that we have to put on a front. We would be a great help to each other if we would be honest about our struggle. Why do you think the Psalms are so popular? So encouraging, such a blessing. Because David and the writers of the Psalms are honest about their relationships with God and with people. They lay it out there. David lived an authentic life. Tozer goes on in his book uh, in the same chapter in uh, The Pursuit of God. I am sure that most people live in secret fear that someday they will be careless and by chance an enemy or a friend will be allowed to peep into their poor empty souls so they are never relaxed. And he goes on in the same paragraph to say that you know those people who think they're smart are going to be afraid they find somebody who's smarter. And those people who think they're well-traveled will find somebody who's been to a place they haven't been before. And we just have, I mean, we are so tense and so nervous that people will find out the truth. That is no way to live. Because we don't have to fake it. We don't have to pretend. Because in Christ, we are all we need to be. We are perfectly accepted in Jesus Christ if we are believers, if we are followers of him, if we've placed our faith in him for our salvation. He accepts us as we are. He knows all of our faults and our failures and our weaknesses. And he says, I love you. It doesn't matter. We can relax. We don't have to earn anything. We don't have to fake anything. He knows it, and he accepts us. We've got to be honest with ourselves. 
third area of honesty that I think is suggested from this passage is that we must be honest with God. We must be honest with God. Ananias and Sapphira lied to God. Their sin was arrogance. It was somehow thinking that God wouldn't know, couldn't see, wasn't there, wasn't concerned. Their faith was obviously weak if it even existed. Yet, we know God, we're followers of him, and we still fake it. We still try to fool God. We still try to deceive him. But he knows in verse 3 of the, of the chapter, Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> and at the end of verse 4, he says, you have not lied to men, but to God. A little aside there, notice that the Holy Spirit is called God. You lied to the Holy Spirit, you lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. And then God struck them dead instantly. In, great, in response to these deaths, great fear seized the church. I would think so. Is this the kind of God you want to be honest with? There's a thought that, you know what, if I tell God what's really going on, he's going to kill me. Uh, because what's going on is not all that great. And if he knew, wait a minute, he does know. And I'm still alive. If I were to uh, <clears throat> suddenly drop dead up here and Justin got up and said, I just had a word from the Lord that Chris has been faking it this whole time. Uh, his life is a life of pretense. His spirituality is not genuine and God struck him dead. What would your response be? Book for the doors, right? Get out of here as fast as you can. Great fear seized the church because everybody realized you know, I fake it sometimes too. So why did God kill these two? Many people have struggled with this story. Some scholars even say it's not part of Scripture. It was added by someone. Uh, it is so harsh. Let me offer a few thoughts. First of all, this is God's Word. And this is an historical event. And it really did happen this way, because we have it on God's authority. Secondly, I think this was a unique and unusual judgment. It is not God's normal way of dealing with pretense. So relax. This was a critical point in the history and the formation of the church. God was apparently laying out some ground rules about who he is and to take him seriously. I don't know if I want to say he made an example of these two. That seems a little trite and, and human. But it may be something like that. I would also suggest that we see the sin of Ananias and Sapphira as far more serious than we at first would think. <clears throat> Fake spirituality a fake walk with Christ has caused scores, hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of people to not follow Jesus. 
People who claim to follow Christ and then they live like the world with their gossip and their cheating and their anger and their pride and their selfishness and their immorality have led scores of people away from Christ. You probably know people who've said, if that's how Christians live, I don't want to be a Christian. Satan likes this sin. It is a very serious thing to claim to follow Christ and then not live in following Christ. Another point, understand that every single one of us deserve exactly what Ananias and Sapphira got. We deserve to be struck dead instantly because we are sinners through and through. And it's only by God's grace and his mercy that he has saved us. Not because of anything we've done or anything we've earned or or any merit in ourselves, but because of his love and his great mercy and his graciousness, he has reached down and saved us. We're saved by grace. We live by grace. We don't don't get saved freely, and then now we have to earn it and keep going. No, we, we live by grace as we are saved by grace. Bottom line of, of this story, I think, that we need to understand is that God is God, and he will do as he pleases. And we don't know God nearly as well as we think. When we say, oh, this isn't God, God, God wouldn't do this, well, who are we to say what God would do or not do? God did this. So we need to get God out of our preconceived box and let him be God. There have been times in our lives, Dawn and I, when we really got ticked off at God. Anybody relate? He just wasn't listening or responding. We prayed, we tried. I remember one weekend where we both kind of hit the bottom and we both came to the conclusion that God had forgotten us. And we told him so, respectfully, of course, but we told him, you know what, God, this is, you don't care. Now, my theology was fine. I knew that God cared. And I knew that he was there and I knew that he was loving, but I just didn't feel it. And I think it was perfectly appropriate for us to honestly tell God what we were feeling. Read Psalms. How many times does David, how many times did Job, how many times did Jeremiah tell God, where are you? Now, of course, at one level, it's kind of pathetic because basically what we're saying is, God, you're not doing what I want you to do. So I'm mad at you. but he wants us to be honest with him. Don't be guilty of pretense with God. So let's summarize. We have three areas of honesty with others, with yourself, with God. We need to be authentic with other people, with ourselves, with God. If, if the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was acting more spiritual than they were, then we need to act authentically right where we are. But then we need to take the next right step that we know to take so that we can grow and move forward in our Christian life. All of us need to move. We all need to grow. We all need to be moving forward. Let me suggest a couple possible steps for you in your walk with Christ. We have a... a class around here, a discipleship called Choose the Life, where you learn more about the disciplines that will take you further with Jesus in your walk with him. And there is a new group starting up in August, and I think you can sign up today for that group, and I encourage you to do that. Get in a small group. 
if you're not. This fall, we're going to be pushing small groups harder. We're training some new leaders. There's a leadership training coming up in September. Get in a small group. Get, get involved in that. Relax in the acceptance of your Heavenly Father. I know that's easier said than done, but relax in His acceptance. He knows you inside. He knows you better than you know yourself. So rest in that. Spend some time alone with God. Maybe you need to take a day or an afternoon or an evening and just go to the beach, go to the mountains, go to a mall, take your Bible, take your journal, and just be alone with God for several hours. Let him just speak to you as you speak to him. I know a lot of people who have been turned off to Jesus and the church because of pretense. I have a close friend who grew up in the church, born and raised in the church, went to a Christian high school. Uh, he accepted Christ as a teenager, supposedly. And now as an adult, has completely, fully rejected Jesus, anything to do with the church. I mean, I mean militantly rejected. And if you would talk to him, which I have done, he would tell you it's because of all the fake followers of Jesus that were in the church. The hypocrisy, the fake spirituality, the pretense. So bad that he could not follow Jesus himself. Now he is responsible for his answer and his response. But all those people who faked it are also responsible. Am I one of those kind of Christians? Are you one of those kinds of Christians? I want to suggest as we close that there is someone you need to be more honest with in your life. Who is it? Is it yourself? Maybe you need to finally accept this is the way it is. This is how it's going. This is, this is the color that my hair is. And every time I dye it, it turns back to that color. I don't know. This is, this is the way the relationship works. This is how it is. Maybe it's somebody else. You've been faking it in your relationships, and it's time to level with someone and say, you know what? I've been putting on a front for a while. Maybe it's God. You need to tell him what you really think. You need to be honest and say, God, you know what? I just I don't like the way this went. This isn't what I signed up for. In a few minutes, the, uh, the worship team will come, and there will be some music playing. And I want you to take just a couple minutes before the words start to the song to write down, in your, in your bulletin outline at the bottom, there's a, a line that says personal response, and then below that there's a blank line. And just take a couple minutes and write on there the name of someone. Maybe it's yourself, maybe it's God, maybe it's, you know, you don't actually want to write their name, but put their initials there. Somebody that you need to be more honest with. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for this harsh, shocking story of Two people who faked it and then were instantly killed by you. Lord, may we wake up to the reality of our walk with you. We're called to truth, to genuineness, to authenticity. And may we live in that way. Lord, each of us, as we sit and reflect for a minute or two, show us where, who, what we need to be more honest and authentic with. Lord, for your glory. So that the name of Jesus can move forward. So that people find the Christian life attractive, I pray. Amen.